Hey, Grace Hill Church and other friends tuning in. Uh, excited for right now is we're going to jump into uh, reading the scriptures and seeing what they have to teach us this morning. Um, if you're new with us, we've been in a sermon series called Healthy Soul. And what we've been wanting to do during this time is really take the, the pause, the disruption that this pandemic is forcing all of us to enter into and ask the question, have I been living my life in a healthy way? Is my soul in a place where I'm enjoying thriving in my relationship with Jesus? And I, I don't know about you, but I, I know for me, um, I, as I've been evaluating things and looking into my life, I'm, I'm realizing there are things in my life, there's rhythms that I live my life according to that are not healthy for my soul. And so we've just been wanting to pause. And, and what I've been saying this whole time is we just want to slow down as a church, just slow down and spend more time with Jesus. And so I hope that you've been taking advantage of the daily guided meditations we've been sending you. I hope you've been doing your daily hour and just slowing down and, and being with Jesus. Um, and then also uh, digging into those reflections that we've been sending you and, and um, talking about those with your Healthy Soul team. Now, this morning, uh, as I mentioned in uh, this morning, as we were getting ready to worship, we were reading Psalm 23, what we're going to talk about this morning is rest and how God designed our souls to need rest. Um, I'm tired. I, I feel tired. My soul feels tired. And one of the things God has been teaching me is that He has designed me, he's designed you to need rest. And so we're going to talk about rest this morning. And my hope is that you'll be challenged, but the challenge this morning would, would push you into forming a practice in your life that is going to allow your soul to thrive and enjoy your relationship with Jesus. That's the hope. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for that, and then we're going to dive in to God's Word. Let's pray. God, this morning, I pray that by your Spirit, you would specifically challenge every one of us. And, and Lord, my prayer is that we would leave this time of studying your Word with the conviction in our heart that things need to change in my life. Uh, my rhythm, my schedule, how I uh, decide what I'm going to commit to and what I'm not going to commit to, those things need to change, Lord, not because we want to follow some arbitrary law, but because, Lord, you know what is best for us. And every command you give us, God, is purposeful and for our good. So, Lord, I pray that we would trust that this morning. You would challenge us. And, Lord, help us to know what it means to rest. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, before I got into ministry, um, I uh, was really into and studied in school exercise physiology, and I was really specifically into sports strength and conditioning. And so, uh, for uh, there was a part of my life where I had the privilege of being able to work for the University of Maryland. I was on staff with their football team as an intern, uh, as an intern strength and conditioning coach. 
And part of my job was to take players or groups of players through their individual strength and conditioning workouts. Now, when you're in strength and conditioning, one of the things that you do, part of your job, is to design very specific custom-tailored workouts for athletes, uh, depending on their needs and their position. So if you uh, have a particular injury that you need to rehab, well, you're going to get a very specific workout plan. And if you play a specific position and you need to have a a better sprint or you need to be more explosive or you need to jump higher or you need more endurance, whatever it is, you're going to have a, a very uh, custom tailored workout plan. So a, a workout plan for an offensive lineman on a football team is going to be vastly different than a workout plan for a cross-country runner. They're just completely different needs. But one of the things that you always have to keep in mind when you're designing these workouts is load management. Because in order for a muscle to get stronger, uh, to be healthy, to be less prone to injury and to perform better, that muscle needs to work hard and that muscle needs to rest just as hard. Because if you put too much strain on a muscle and you don't allow that muscle adequate time to rest, when it comes for game day, not only are you going to be more injury prone, you're probably going to injure yourself, but you're not going to perform at a high level and your muscle, it's not going to be flexible, it's not going to have the range of motion that it needs, the endurance that it needs. And so most of us have probably experienced some time where we have exercised and you know, a couple of days later, we feel really sore. And the reason for that is because when you are working a specific muscle, what's actually happening is you're creating these tiny little tears in the muscle fibers. And those tears are what makes your muscle hurt and be sore. But what happens is when you rest, the muscle fibers begin to heal. And when they heal, they heal stronger, they heal more explosive, they heal longer with with greater flexibility attached to it so that that muscle now can perform better. So, So literally, you have to think about this, when your muscles are resting, they are being productive. Like think about that for a second. While you are doing nothing, not engaging that muscle at all, that muscle is actually busy at work repairing itself, getting stronger, getting more able to endure exercise. So in the midst of the rest, there's actually productivity. And without your rest, your body will become less efficient and less able to perform. And here's why I find this absolutely fascinating. Because even within the physiology of our bodies, we find this law of nature at work where in order to be healthy, we must have a regular rhythm, a consistent rhythm of hard work and deep rest. And without this rhythm, you, your body, will be unhealthy. But... What's interesting in our culture is how we're willing to accept this law of nature when it comes to our physical bodies. But when it comes to our brains and when it comes to our souls, we don't see a correlation between the two, right? We don't prioritize 
rest for our brains and rest for our souls because we've somehow convinced ourselves, I guess at some philosophical level, that the, there's the physical part of us and the spiritual mental part of us don't impact each other. Right, so my body is tangible, I can see it, I can feel it, therefore I understand it needs rest, right? It's tired, it's sore, it needs rest. But my mind and my soul, that's different. That's not physical, therefore it, it doesn't follow the same law of, of nature, right? So if I overload my body, I get it needs rest. And I injure my body, I understand that my body needs medical help and it needs to be repaired. But with my mind and my soul, I see that differently. They are immune to being worn out and tired, right? I can twist my ankle, but my mind and my soul, right? They're unbreakable, right? They can't break down in the same way that my ankle can. It is, I think that's how most of us subconsciously live our lives. For three years now, the life expectancy in America has declined, gone down. And primarily because of the opioid epi epidemic, suicide rates are through the roof, alcohol-related deaths are through the roof. One in 10 Americans right now take an antidepressant and clinical depression, anxiety, and burnout. It's now a common experience for many people in our culture. And don't get me wrong at all, these are valid experiences where our brains and our souls, they're experiencing some sort of problem. Like, like you sprain an ankle. When you sprain an ankle, your ankle is out of commission for a little bit and it needs medical help. It needs rest in order for it to come back. And I think it's the same thing that happens with our brains and our souls. And there's all kinds of reasons and causes behind mental health conditions and other things. And so I'm not making a blanket statement about it, uh, believe me. But I do believe that a major cause for our increased experience with depression, anxiety, and stress, and burnout is because we live in a culture that does not know what it means to rest. We understand physical rest. I get my body needs sleep. But we don't know what it means for our minds and our souls to rest. And we have become really good with coming up with all kinds of reasons and excuses as to why our minds and our souls cannot rest. And just like your muscles, if we never allow our minds and our souls to rest, we can't be healthy and we're actually gonna be more injury prone. And what I want us to discover today is that this law that our bodies and our souls and our minds need rest is, is no accident, but it was put in place by our Creator for a very specific reason, right? God Almighty, who is infinite, He's unlimited, nothing limits God. He has no need of rest. He intentionally created you and me as His image bearers, but with limited and finite bodies, minds, and souls.
God is unlimited and we are limited. And what I want to do is I want us to search the scriptures this morning and to find out why God is made to be limited and why he commands us to rest. All right, so to do that, I want you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 2. Uh, Mark is the second book of your New Testament. It's one of the Gospels um, that uh, chronicles the life and the teachings of Jesus. And uh, I want us to read from uh, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 23 uh, to 28 for us this morning. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this. So right here in Mark 2, Jesus is running around with his disciples, teaching um, and doing his ministry, okay? And so we pick the story up, verse 23, it says this, On one Sabbath, uh, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. Now let's stop there for just a second. So you have to understand, uh, the Sabbath day is something that God commands, right? It's the fourth commandment of the Bible. We'll go read that in, in just a second in Exodus chapter 20. But the Sabbath day is where God commands his people. They, they need to work six days of the week. And on the seventh day, they need to rest. They need to take a Sabbath. That word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means stop, like cease, stop. Stop what you're doing. Just stop and rest. Okay, and so what we see here in verse 23, it is the Sabbath day, so all of God's people are supposed to be resting, and Jesus and his disciples are, are going through the grain fields, and they're plucking the heads of wheat because they're, they're hungry. Now look at verse 24. And the Pharisees, so the religious leaders of the day, were saying to him, to Jesus, look, why are they, your disciples, doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And so the Pharisees, they believe, according to the Old Testament, that even plucking the heads of wheat was not lawful to do on the Sabbath, that that, that was too much work to do. And there's precedent for this. You know, one of the things God commanded his people in the Old Testament was, hey, like, you need to prepare for the Sabbath, right? You can't take a full day off if you're not intentionally preparing for that. And one of the ways that God wanted his people to prepare for the Sabbath was by preparing food beforehand so you didn't have to work to prepare food. It would just be ready for you to consume on the Sabbath day. And so the Pharisees are going to Jesus and they're saying, hey, why are your disciples doing this? Now, there might be some precedent from Scripture, specifically Deuteronomy 23, 25, uh, that says that, you know, if you're hungry and you're passing by a grain field, plucking some heads of the wheat for, for food uh, might be lawful. But you have to understand that it had been centuries uh, from this point from when the law was written. And as the law was interpreted and applied throughout the centuries between when it was written with Moses and Jesus, what we're reading right now, there's been a lot of interpretation of the law. And so here's what the Pharisees would do with the law, is they would create more laws in order to ensure that they don't violate a specific law that's in the scripture, right? So let's say there's a specific law in the scripture that says, do not touch this iPad, all right? My sermon notes here on this iPad. Don't touch the iPad. Let's say the scripture said that. Don't 
touch this iPad. And so what the Pharisees would do would be like, okay, we want to take this law so seriously that we're going to create other laws as a hedge of protection around this law. So the law says don't touch the iPad, but what we're going to say is don't even look at the iPad. And if you look at the iPad, then you're in violation of the law because this law protects you from violating the actual law in the scriptures. In fact, let's put more laws around it. Don't even be within 50 feet of the iPad. So you can't look at it, you can't be within 50 feet of it, and actually don't even think about it. So now what we've done is we've created these laws of a hedge of protection around the law. And what happens is the spirit, the heart of the law actually gets lost. We forget asking the question, God, why did you put this law into place? And instead, it's now all about making sure we're perfect and keeping the law by putting all these other laws around it. And this is what the Pharisees had done. And so the Pharisees come to Jesus and in their laws, it had gotten to the point where you couldn't even pluck a head of wheat on the Sabbath day uh, without being in violation uh, of the law. And so the Pharisees were very strict about it and had lost the actual heart behind the law of the Sabbath. Let's look at how Jesus responds here. Look at this. In my mind, this is hilarious. All right, so verse 25. So, and Jesus said to the Pharisees, have you never read what David did? So this is King David, like hero of the Old Testament, right? Have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God? This is the tabernacle, right? In the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which it is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. So this is a moment with David and his, and his uh, warriors, right? They're with him. They're tired. They're trekking around. They're hungry. They've got nothing to eat. So they go into the tabernacle and they eat the bread of presence. Now, you can read about the bread of presence in the Old Testament. It had a very specific way that it was supposed to be prepared. It was supposed to be eaten on the Sabbath day for the priest only. And so the priest would prepare this on other days. It would be laid out on these golden tables and it was for the priest. It was an offering to the Lord. So it was a very sacred ritual. And David and his warriors come stumbling into the tabernacle hungry and starving and they eat the bread of presence. Now, here's what's crazy about what Jesus just said. Jesus does not reference this moment with David as some sort of one-off excuse. Hey, it's okay for the disciples. They're hungry. Let them pluck some wheat. No, Jesus references this as a precedent that, that David has, has created a precedent that there are times where it's okay to break the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. And so it's how do you make sense of this, right? I'm sure Jesus just confused the Pharisees here. Like, okay, when is it okay for me to break some laws in the Old Testament? And when is it okay for me? Or when should I not break these laws in the Old Testament? Like, Jesus, what are you saying here? And so here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to answer this question by telling us two things. Number one, he's going to help us to understand what the purpose of the Sabbath is. And secondly, Jesus is going to then claim that he himself is the master, the Lord over the Sabbath. And we need to make sense of both of those. What is he 
mean by that. Look at what he says, verse 27. And he said to the Pharisees, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Verse 28, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said this? All right, so I, I want to talk about the first part first. What Jesus meant when he said he that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. This is the purpose of the Sabbath. Let's tackle that, and then we'll circle back around and ask, what did Jesus mean when he said he was Lord of the Sabbath? All right, so Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Now, what Jesus means is that the Sabbath day is not this arbitrary religious law, religious practice that God decided to put into place, kind of like a song and a dance that he wants his people to do for him. You know, there's no real reason behind it. It's just this kind of thing that God can can put into place, and if people follow it, then that's proof that they love God and, and because they're doing the song and dance that God wants for them, right? That, no, that's, that's what it would be if, if, the, if man was made for the Sabbath. God would just put these arbitrary laws into place because it, it seemed like it'd be a good thing to do, and there's no real purpose behind it. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. None of God's commands are arbitrary. Not one of them. None of what God's command is about making humanity do a little song and dance for God, to entertain God. No, God's commands, every single one of them, are purposeful and they're for our good and they're for our joy because God cares for us and he loves us. And maybe that's what you just needed to hear this morning and that's it, is that none of God's commands are arbitrary. Every one of them are purposeful. Every one of them are for your joy. All of God's commands are for your joy. And that's true of the Sabbath. And so what did Jesus mean? Well, why don't we do this? Let's look at the command itself, okay? So we first see the Sabbath. It's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. So if you turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus, this is the second book of your Bible, right after Genesis, go to Exodus chapter 20. Because in Exodus 20, God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments. And I want us to read this specific commandment on the Sabbath. So we're going to read Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. God says this to Moses. He says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so this this command is really easy to understand. Work six days and on the seventh day, Make sure you rest and keep it holy. And if anybody works for you, you make sure they rest too, right? So I just want you to hear this as an employer. If you uh, have staff that you employ, people under your, um, under your uh, supervision, I, I, I think, I'm just going to challenge you here, I think the Sabbath 
applies to you here and that God expects you to lead people to rest. So I just want you to hold that in your head here as we go through this. If you're a leader, if people report to you. Work six days, rest on the seventh day. And the reason for this is because God ordered this into creation. So this isn't a law, right, in the Old Testament that was uh, where its origination was in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai. Actually, this law had its origination at creation. All right. And so therefore, God ordered this into the way he engineered the world. Right. So you need your need of rest. It's, it's not a suggestion, but it's actually a law of creation that God engineered into your body, into your soul and into your mind. Right. He engineered it into the fabric of creation. So Sabbath is made for man because we need rest. God created us to rest. So he created the Sabbath and he commanded us to keep the Sabbath as a way of caring for us because we need it, right? It's not arbitrary. It's an actual need of ours in order to thrive and be healthy, right? So God also designed our bodies to need food, right? We need food. We cannot be healthy. We cannot thrive if we do not eat Food, right? So food was made for man. Man was not made for food, right? So when we reject the Sabbath day and we say, I don't need a day of rest, right? I don't need that. My body doesn't need that. My mind, my soul doesn't need that. It's like we're rejecting food. We're rejecting a core piece of what it means to be human when we decide to reject the Sabbath day, right? And so God is saying, right, right. If you don't eat food, you're not going to be healthy, right? You get that. If you don't rest a full day each week, you're not going to be healthy. And this is one that we seem to push back on a little bit more. God intentionally made our bodies to be limited, limited. But we are not unlimited beings like God is. We have bodies and souls and minds that need to stop and rest, physical rest, and spiritual mental rest. And I think this is an area of self-awareness that we need to accept, humbly accept, and not fight. I don't know, this is something, and I find it in me, that we just wanna fight this one, that we're not unlimited, and our souls are not unlimited. They need rest. Constant striving with no rest will kill us. And that's by God's design. Your body and mind need rest from its constant labor to provide and produce. And your soul needs rest from its constant labor to be loved and accepted. Right? Have you ever thought about this before? Um, how much your soul works and strives and labors to be loved and accepted by God and others? Like how much work it takes when you're reading the minds of and the faces and the expressions of other people and trying to figure out what they think about you, when you're doing all of these things to be loved, except how much work that takes your soul to do, how much your soul accuses you of not doing enough, how much your soul worries and, and frets about what others think, how much your soul feels naked and ashamed in the presence of God because he knows all of your thoughts, and how much your mind and your body labors to quiet the anxious thoughts of your soul? 
right? This is what Jesus meant when he said that he was Lord of the Sabbath in, in Mark 2. So let's go back there for here just for a second. Because Jesus is the Lord of our rest. Rest for our souls, rest for our minds and our bodies. It's only found in Jesus. He is the Lord of our rest. Because under the law, peace with God could, could only be made possible through constant striving to keep the law. Right? Under the law, that's what it was. Constantly striving. Making sure that I kept the law. Constant striving to keep the Sabbath and not break any of the ceremonial laws. And when there was a violation, constant striving to make sure that I did the sacrificial law exactly the way that it was supposed to be. And it was so much labor and exhaustion just to keep the law and just to keep the Sabbath back in the Old Testament. But Jesus is now the Lord of the Sabbath because Jesus is the one who is able to actually give our souls rest from the law. Because Jesus himself fulfills the law on our behalf, goes to the cross, pays off our iniquity and our sin, is raised to new life so that we could be given new life. And he now presents us to the Father, to God, Jesus does, blameless, righteous, with no fault in us. Look at this. Jesus presents us to the Father with no need for us to do work to earn the love of the Father. The work had been accomplished. So Jesus has accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for you to be in right relationship with God. And so what that means is that your soul can rest. You're accepted by him. It can rest. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath because our souls find true rest from our striving to be loved and accepted. Because he has accomplished it for us. He's done all of the work necessary. Right. So, so think of everything that your soul accused you of this week. All of the things that you feel guilty of or ashamed of of things you've done or things that you didn't do. Think of all the reasons why you think God might be disappointed in you or ashamed of you. You know, this morning, this this morning, I came into the office right here early to finish up some things, get ready for this morning, and um, I I wanted to start a new journal, so I knew I had a blank journal uh, in one of my drawers in my office. And so I was shuffling through my drawers trying to find that to get it out and put it in my bag. And in there, I found some old journals of mine. And I picked one up, not knowing if this was a new one or old one, and I opened it. And there was writing up in the first page of it. And so this is an old journal. And uh, that page, this was from years ago, actually, it was interesting to see it. Uh, That page, the header on the page, I wrote all the things I'm not doing. And then I had this long list down the entire page of everything that I felt like I was failing in. Everything that I felt like I wasn't doing in my spiritual life, in my marriage, for my family, at work, just everything. Everything from exercise to spending adequate time to Jesus to connecting with my wife. There's just this list. These are all the things I'm not doing. 
And it was really interesting to see that this morning because Jesus gives us rest from all of that. Now, it doesn't mean that there weren't good things on that list that God wants us to strive to do uh, because they're good for us, and, and, and there's a balance there, but Jesus has done all of the work necessary for you to be right with God so you can rest from the list and be a child of God because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Like, and I know your soul doesn't want to accept that truth this morning. But maybe this is just a moment right here. Take a deep breath right there and realize this is what makes the gospel good news. Is the gospel brings rest. And the book of Hebrews says that when the Jews rejected Jesus, the book of Hebrews says, that they refused to enter their rest. They refused to allow Jesus to be the one to do the work on their behalf. Now here's the thing. The fact that Jesus is our true Sabbath rest, okay, does not negate the fact that God designed our bodies and our minds to need weekly physical rest. Remember, this is something that God engineered into creation. So that includes your mind, that includes your body and your soul. But I want you to understand something. There is a relationship between the rest of our souls, right, that's provided to us by Jesus and the rest of our bodies and our minds. All right, the reason that our souls can rest in Jesus is because we trust that Jesus has taken care of us and, right, and I don't need to do all of that work to provide for myself and to my soul. We believe that our value and our security is found in Jesus, right? Nowhere else at all in this world. So our souls can let all of that go and actually rest in the love of God in and through Jesus. That's how our souls rest. And many times, the reason why we never allow our bodies and our minds to rest is because we're all still seeking value and security in other places. So our bodies are busy, our minds are busy because our souls haven't found rest in Jesus yet. And we haven't allowed our souls to rest in Jesus. We still got the list, all the things I'm not doing or all the things I'm doing wrong. We got it out and we're dwelling on it so we can't rest, right? So I'm, I'm obsessed with performing well in my job and, and I want to get a promotion and I want to be well regarded by my employer and my coworkers and I want people to be impressed with the work that I do and I want to excel in my career. A common thing, right? So I'm obsessed with that. So the answer is always yes. If you need me, I'm available. If you, if you send me an email on the weekend, I will see it because I check my email constantly on my phone, right? Um, I, I'm always there. You ask me to do something, the answer is yes. Uh, if you need me to work on the weekends, the answer is yes. If you need me to pull my laptop out real quick, because we all can re work remote now, real quick on a weekend and check something, the answer is yes, 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 because I don't want anyone in my workplace to think poorly of me. 
I'm obsessed with my appearance, of my, my body, right? So my body doesn't get a break from the workout routine or the constant struggle that I'm feeling, right? I never rest from that. I'm obsessed with having a clean house and a put together house. And so there's never rest from chores and tidying things up, right? The kitchen has to be clean. Things have to be clean. And so I can't even take a day off because the day off now is the day of chores. I'm uh, all in with the Northern Virginia overachieving culture. So I'm gonna fill my days with all the extra activities, right? If I have a weekend day off, it's not gonna be a day off. It's gonna be a day of chores and, and errands and running places and activities and so, this and that, right? It, we're just gonna fill it. And so even though we take days off from work and school and things like that, our bodies and our minds are still busy striving. And think about this. If our weekly rhythm is to never allow our bodies and our minds to rest, we are training our souls that resting in Jesus is not enough. Just think about that for a second. If, if there's, you will always find a reason not to rest. There will always be a reason why you can't. And when we live that way, we train our souls that it can't rest in Jesus. Because our rhythm is, our habit is, how we live our life is that I must always keep producing. I can't stop. So get this. The discipline of weekly physical and mental rest helps our souls rest in Jesus. The, the discipline of physical and mental rest helps your soul rest in Jesus and not the things of the world. And when our souls rest in Jesus, it helps us to calm down and physically and mentally rest. They serve each other. If your soul is going to rest in Jesus, then you need to physically and mentally rest. And if you want your soul to rest in Jesus, we need to make this a priority. So here is my challenge to all of us this morning. We need to implement a weekly Sabbath in our lives. Okay? I know Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and Jesus is our Sabbath rest, yes. But this is all something, also something that God etched into the engineering of creation. So it still applies. We need to implement a weekly Sabbath. And I don't believe that your body, your soul, and your mind can be healthy without it. And I really wonder, I'm honest with you about this, guys. I really wonder how much we would find freedom from our anxiety, our depression, our burnt out, uh, our burning out, our, our stress, if we would just believe that God made the Sabbath for you. It's for your good. It's for your joy. So here's the challenge. Work five days a week. Work one day in the home, running your errands, cleaning the house, doing all your chores, all the activities, and leave one day to rest, to stop. Stop running around. Stop the activities. Stop the chores. Don't pull the laptop out or the phone out. To stop and rest disconnect from the rest of the world. 
devote the entire day, 24 hours, to your body resting, your soul resting in Jesus, your mind resting. No email, no work, none of that. Just, just be. If you're part of the Healthy Soul Challenge, one of the things we sent you last Friday was a reflection called the Stop List. Right? And if we had that in Hebrew, it could be called the Shabbat List, the Sabbath List. And so what we wanted you to do in this reflection is get the people of your household together and make a list of everything you're going to stop doing on the Sabbath. Don't make a list on what you're going to do. Don't do that. Make a list of what you're going to stop doing. All right, so my family has a stop list that we've put together when we do Sabbath. Uh, so screens, no screens on the Sabbath day. Uh, no phone, no TV, no iPad, no video games, none of that. No screens on the Sabbath day. The only time we allow screens on Sabbath day is if our family gets together to watch a movie as like a family movie time. No work on the Sabbath day. Nothing. No, no. I, I'm not allowed to think of the sermon, right? I'm not, uh, nothing. I'm not going to look at emails or anything unless there's an emergency at the church. Uh, no work for me. No work for my wife. No work. No chores. No vacuuming, cleaning the house, none of that, right? No errands, no running to the store and Home Depot and Costco and this or that and stressing yourself out, running around. Just, just stop. Don't do those things. But here are some of the things we do. We sleep in as much as our kids will let us, right? We, we take a family nap, right? Everyone goes to their, their rooms and we take a nap. We eat good food. We plan a nice meal. So yesterday was our Sabbath day. I smoked some pork butt the whole day. And we had some barbecue sandwiches, and we feasted together. It was awesome, right? We play. We're outside a lot, playing together. We play inside. We're, we're together. We have family devotional time and prayer time together, right? And, and the point is, is not to create all these laws around the Sabbath, like, okay, we're, I'm going to do this and not do this and do this and not do this, right? That's what the Pharisees did. But the point is to devote the day to rest and to the Lord. And so the question that we need to ask when it comes to how we spend our Sabbath day is this, what would be honoring to the Lord and what would be restful to my body and my soul? And that's what we do on the Sabbath day. Uh, one author I really appreciate, his name is John Mark Comer. He wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I'm going to read you a long quote from his book on Sabbath, but I think it's really helpful to, to paint a picture in your head of what a Sabbath day could look like for you. Look at what he says in his book. He says this, to begin, just set aside a day, all right, a day, clear your schedule, turn off your phone, say a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to pastor you into his presence, and then rest in worship. In whatever way is life-giving for your soul. My family and I do this every week. Just before sunset on Friday, we finish up all our to-do lists and homework and grocery shopping and responsibilities, power down all our devices. We literally put them in a box and stow them in a drawer and gather around the table as a family. We open a bottle of wine, light some candles, read a psalm and pray. Then we feast and we basically don't stop feasting for the next 24 hours. And I might add, the Jesus way. We sleep in Saturday morning, drink coffee, read our Bibles, pray more, spend time together, talk, laugh. In summer, we walk to the park. In winter, we make a fire. We get lost in good novels on the couch. We cuddle, we nap. Honestly, I spend a lot of my time just sitting by the window being. It's like a less stressful Christmas every week. 
and something happens about halfway through the day, something hard to put language to, it's like my soul catches up to my body. Like some deep part of me that got beat up and drowned out by meetings and email and Twitter and relational conflict and the difficulty of life comes back to the surface of my heart and I feel free. Free from the need to do more, get more, be more. Free from the spirit, the evil demonic spirit of restlessness that enslaves our society. I feel another spirit, the Holy Spirit, of restful calm settle over my whole person and I find that my ordinary life is enough. And man, that's, that's the kind of contentment that your soul needs. That ordinary life is enough. And Jesus can bring that kind of rest to your soul. When we have the discipline of resting our bodies and our minds, it helps our souls rest in Jesus. And when our souls rest in Jesus, it helps us in our soul, in our bodies, and our minds to rest. It's almost like God intentionally made us limited so that we would have to rely on Him, the only one who's unlimited. And nothing brings God more glory, worship, and honor, and praise than when we find our true rest in Him. And so here's my question for all of us. Are we going to have faith that what God commands us to do is purposeful and for our joy and our good? Or are we going to continue to give in to Northern Virginia culture and never allow our bodies and our minds and our souls to rest? I know there's a million reasons why you can't implement this. And I'm sure they're flooding through your head. But maybe this is just one of those areas where we push against culture. We walk upstream instead of downstream on this one. Because we know that our souls and our bodies and our minds need rest. And we're going to say, you know what? It's a lie that for me to thrive, for me to have the good life, I have to work constantly. That's a lie. And we're going to push back against that, no matter what it costs. Because God's commands are always for our joy. So are we going to ignore this? This, this major cause of an unhealthy soul? Or are we going to have to face a crisis of anxiety attacks and, and, and burnout and, and stress having all kinds of physical implications on our bodies because that's very real are, is, are we going to have to endure that to wake up or brothers and sisters are we going to believe that God made the Sabbath for us he made it for us so let's enjoy him and let's drink deeply from this gift that God has given us let me pray God we thank you um for your goodness to us. And uh, God, we thank you that every one of your commands, it's for our good, it's for our joy. So God, help us to, to, to rest, to walk upstream on this one. Lord, and, 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 and we're gonna have to say no to things that we don't wanna say no to. 
and we're going to have to say no to things that other people don't want us to say no to in order to trust you in this. But God, help us to trust and have faith in you, that you know what's best for our souls. You know what makes us thrive. You know what it means to be healthy. The world doesn't. God, I just pray for that moment that we we read from John Mark Comer's book, that moment where we realize the joy and the peace and the rest of ordinary life. God, we, we strive so much for extraordinary in everything, and we never allow ourselves a rest until we find it. Jesus, help us to find our rest in you. We love you. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.